0: What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing well. As always, I'm grateful that you would carve out some time during your day to listen to this message. I pray that it will encourage you and challenge you in some way so that your relationship with Jesus will continue to grow. Okay, we're going to continue in our conversation that we're calling Firm Foundations. This conversation is rooted in the letter written by Paul to the Christians in the first century. However, Paul's words are instructions to us today as... Well, and I believe that it's a timely word for us in this season that we're in as we all sit in the middle of this global pandemic and we're experiencing all the racial unrest and social unrest as well. Um, So as a bit of refresher, we begin with the book of Colossians and now we're working our way through the book to the Galatians. And it's my conviction that in order for us to become the people that God created us to be, we must have a solid foundation, a firm foundation of faith to stand on. And as the world continues to change, As we continue to live with the future being unknown, our souls need to be anchored in something. And I believe that that something is Jesus, that Jesus is really all that we can count on. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today and tomorrow. And so my hope for you during this pandemic and during this racial and social unrest is that your faith in Jesus, as Paul puts it, that he began who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so... That's my heart for you is that your, your relationship with Jesus will grow, that your eyes will be fixed on Jesus. And so now, now is the time for us to really fill our hearts and minds and souls with the love of God and let his love shape us and mold us and form us into the image of Jesus. And so this is, this is what my hope is, is this conversation continues. I hope that you're being challenged. I know that I am, and I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to do the work in your life that he can only do. But we must make ourselves available to him. We must slow down and disconnect ourselves from the pace of the culture that we live in. We must create space for our souls to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit and allow the love of God to renew each of us every single day. So we're continuing on in Galatians. This is our final chapter. This will be a two-part message. And so today's part one, we're going to be just focusing on the first five verses. And it's important for us to remember that the whole point of Paul's letter to this church in Galatia is to address legalism or works-based religion within the church. For the last few weeks, Paul has been making a case that the best antidote to works-based faith is submission to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the gift God has given us to conform us into the image of Jesus. So my encouragement to you is let's lean into the Holy Spirit. Let's allow him to conform us. Let's allow um, um, him to... um, Change us and mold us into the image of Jesus through practicing the presence of God. So I encourage you, and I encourage, I can't say it enough, I encourage you to keep going with the spiritual rhythms we've been discussing over the last few months. Um, Regularly fast, bring your concerns to God through prayer, worship, be still in the presence of God, and saturate your mind in scripture. So last week we talked about gospel character. That gospel character is what we call the fruit of the spirit. It's the characteristics of God that the Holy Spirit intends to give to the people of God. It's it's his it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and its self-control. So so last week we talked about how freedom in Christ plays out in our character through the workings of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to explore today is how our gospel character impacts our relationship with others. It's all coincided together. So Galatians chapter 6, and we're just doing the first five verses today, the shortest passages that we've been on in a while. And so here we go, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone, and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Okay, I'm titling this message, Gospel Relationships. Gospel relationships. And it kind of continues on in our conversation from last week about gospel character. You know, a phrase that you've probably heard me say quite a bit um, is that the meaning of life is relationships. This is not my original thought. I actually stole it from Don Williams, who's a theologian whom I've had the pleasure of meeting a few times. But this phrase has become a life mantra for me in so many different ways. It's actually narrowed my focus in life, and it keeps my eyes on what's really important in life. And it's just, it's so much more than just a catchy phrase or good advice. It's actually a biblical principle that I think we should take seriously, that the meaning of life is relationships. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave us his son. Jesus So God gave us relationship through Jesus. and ever since that generous act from God, um, one thing that has held humanity humanity together is relationships. In fact, I would argue that the one thing that we all have in common with one another is relationships, right? Relationships are everything. Relationships transcends class, race, time and space. Relationship is one thing that we can all relate to. And so it's helpful for me to think of relationships within three different categories. Um, it doesn't matter if the relationship is for um, uh, uh, a long relationship or a short relationship. All of us have relationships that falls within three different categories. And this is the three that I wrote down. You have relationships in your life that are for a moment. You have relationships in your life that are for a season. And you have relationships in your life that are for a lifetime. Relationships that are meant for a moment might be a relationship with a co-worker, a roommate, a friend from school, or someone that you met on vacation that you like to, that you took a liking to and that you probably connected to with personality-wise. It's not that this relationship is shallow or superficial by any means. It's just that your environment is really the glue that holds your relationship together. This type of person is someone that you probably feel safe around and may typically provide you with some support or guidance of some kind, but you find yourself having a lot of fun with this person. This person um, probably feels like a godsend to you. Um, they, they provide you a sense of relief that like they just understand you. And they are. They are a gift to you from God. But this relationship with this person um, is just for a moment. Um, And they're only in your life for a short amount of time. The next level of relationship is for those that that are in your life for a season. Now, here's the majority of the relationships that you're probably going to have with people. This is the majority of relationships that I have with people. There are relationships that are meant for a season. People that You journey with through a specific season in your life, which can be for years and years and years, right? There's no really time frame on this, but you go through the ups and downs together. You cry together. You laugh together. You fight. You make up. Um, Again, this is a relationship that you go through a season with, and this kind of relationship is one that you become more vulnerable in. You can express your true emotions with this person. They will challenge you. They'll teach you something about life that you've probably never known, or they will show you something that you've never done. So this relationship is is one that brings life to your soul and fills you with joy. And I want you to know that you can believe it. You can trust it. This is a good relationship. It's real, but it's only for a season. Lastly, you'll have a relationship with someone. Hopefully, you'll experience this in your lifetime where you'll have a relationship for a lifetime. Lifetime relationships teach you lifetime lessons. It doesn't matter how distant you are or how much... You change or how much this other person changes. You um, you just know each other. You get each other. Um, you don't need anything from each other. They love you for who you are, and you'll always be there for you at any moment's notice. And, and with this type of relationship, you feel like you can just be yourself around this person. You can come as you are. It's the person that you may not even see this person for five years, and it's that type of person when, when you see each other after being away for a certain amount of time, it's as if you never were apart, right? So this is the person that, with you for the long haul and nothing you'll ever will ever get in the way of your relationship with this person. Why is this important? Why do I tell you all this? If relationships are the meaning of life, which I think is true, then it's important for us to know how to steward our relationships. It doesn't matter if the relationship is for a moment, a season or a lifetime. Each relationship we have, God has entrusted that person into our care. By the way, I fall into these three categories with other people as well, right? So I need to understand that I'm on both sides of the equation. Just as I have people in my life for a moment, for a season, for a lifetime, I am also someone that will be in someone's life for a moment, a season, or a lifetime, right? So it's important that we see ourselves on both sides of the equation. So here's the question. I think we have to ask ourselves as it comes to relationships through a gospel-centered lens. What difference does the gospel make in our relationships, What difference does the gospel make in our relationships? If for people that we have in our lives for a moment, for a season, for a lifetime, how does the gospel affect the way you look at yourself in terms of others and how you look at others in terms of yourself? This is a very short passage that we just read, but it's full of practical principles for relating to others, regardless of how long a person may be in your life. And what Paul is after here is how the gospel creates a whole new self-image which is not based on comparison with others. Only the gospel can both boldly and humble us at at the same time. Uh, And it's as we're in relationships together. So Paul just finished encouraging followers of Jesus to keep in step with the spirit, which involves a daily internal crucifixion of our sinful over desires. That's how we defined it last week, right? There were over desires so that the fruits of the spirit will grow in our character. So now Paul switches gears a bit and he wants to show us how to keep in step with the spirit and how that will transform our relationships. So just think about your relationships for a second, your relationships that are just for a moment, for a season, for a lifetime. Think about the people, see their faces, think about their names. Um, Would you say that in all, all of those different kinds of relationships, would you say there are room for growth in your relationships? Is there room for growth? If you answered yes to that question, then I want to encourage you to keep listening. If you answered no, then this is probably a complete waste of your time. But in all seriousness, I think that we would all say that there is room for growth in our relationships. We just have to lean in and allow the gospel to transform them. And so here, Paul gives us three practicals to apply to our relationships in these five verses. Number one, he says, treat others as brothers and sisters. We'll see that in verses one, verse one. He then says, carry each other's burdens, and we see that in verse 2, and then carry your own load, and he kind of unpacks what that looks like in verses 3 through 5. And so I want to unpack these, um, and my hope and my prayer again is that that the gospel would be the center of our relationships, that the gospel would shape our relationships with one another. And so let's look at the first one. Paul says in verse 1, help our brothers and sisters. He says, brothers and sisters, if some of you is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. I grew up in church and I can remember hearing people all the time refer to each other as brothers and sisters. I always thought it was a little bit weird, if I'm honest with you. And I always thought that it was like an over-spiritual way of greeting one another. But I've always appreciated the heart behind it, I think, because the church in the New Testament, they greet each other this way. They greet each other by saying brother or sister. So, And the reason for that is that the church in the first century, actually saw themselves as family. They didn't just use that word. It just wasn't like a cliche thing to say, family. They didn't just say it loosely. They actually lived in communion with with one another. They actually were family. So, So to see each other as brothers and sisters meant something that shaped their relationship in profound ways. It just wasn't a way to greet. It was actually um, a, a worldview it was a way that they saw one another as family. So to treat each bro- each other as brothers and sisters means that we have to know who our father is. and this is what the early church went after and this is what we've been I think all churches struggle and wrestle with as far as how do we how do we be family together? The early church got it right. They knew who their father was. They knew that they were all sons and daughters of the living God. And so if if God is father, then, then, then we are brothers and we are sisters. So the gospel enables us to live as brothers and sisters, right? But it, but it's important for us to know it doesn't stop there. We don't just get set out and be brothers and sisters. As brothers and sisters, we are actually able to encourage one another in the Christian life because we're all on equal ground. No one is better than the other. So so it's important that yes, we see each other as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of the living God. But it's what we do with that that counts. And this is what Paul says. He says, brothers and sisters, if you see yourselves in this way, he says, you won't ignore a situation when you see either a brother or a sister caught up in sin. That Actually, if you see each other as brothers and sisters, you're going to step in and you're going to help one another. Remember, Paul is talking to Christians here. He's not just saying, go and confront, judge, criticize people living in sin. But we also, at the same time, must not look the other way. So he's not wanting just to set us loose and, and, and run through our cities and just calling out people in sin. He's talking to the church. and He's giving Christians direction on how to navigate relationships one with one another. So Paul, Paul is speaking to someone that's caught up in a habit of sin. And that particular sin has gotten the upper hand in that person's life. And the only way this person can overcome that sin is by receiving intervention from a brother or a sister. So there's this tension. For us to walk very carefully in, right? We must neither be quick to criticize, nor must we be afraid to confront. We must accept our responsibility as spirit-filled brothers and sisters to help each other out. This is our mandate, right? This is the kind of life that we live with the spirit. But the goal isn't just to point out the sin that's actually to restore gently. And this is what Paul goes after. He says, yeah, call out the sin. you see it, don't ignore it, but restore that person in a gentle way. The Greek word restore refers to putting like a dislocated bone back into place. I'm not sure if you ever had a dislocated bone that needed to be put back into place. I think I I messed up my finger one time. I had to pop it back in place. It was so painful, (laughs) you know, but like the painful, um, the feeling that I got that was so painful actually brought a healing pain after that. And in order for the pain to stop, you must inflict more pain. That's what happens when you restore a bone back into place. So Paul is saying that we ought not to be afraid to confront one another, even if it's painful, because our confronting will be aiming at seeing a change of heart and life. And I love how Paul uses the word gentle here. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's primarily used in relationship with other people, right? And, and and gentleness is so much more than just being a nice person. Gentleness comes from a place of recognizing that we are just as capable of sinning as anyone else. And that realization that we're capable sinners, that that once we see someone caught up in a sin, that, I, that my heart, it can easily um, do the same thing. That realization should humble me and allows me to confront someone without criticizing. It allows me to confront them by being gentle. And so if we don't restore gently, then all we're doing is destroying a relationship And uh, because we'll come across people and all they'll see in us is like that we have a superior complex. And maybe you've interacted with the Christian this way or someone that confronted you or maybe you were confronting someone else and it didn't go well. Um, Paul's advice here is when we're in relationships with one another, as we help out brothers and sisters who are caught up in sin, that we restore them Gently, That we don't criticize, but that we come across as someone who's loving and we're empathetic um, in their lives. And so superiority in a relationship is a sign that a person's relationship is not gospel-centered. And it will actually do more damage than good. So Paul urges us to see each other as brothers and sisters and lend a helping hand when needed. Number two, Paul says in verse two, carry each other's burdens. Uh, The point in the first one is, is this is closely linked to this one and also to the first point I just mentioned. A great way to carry someone's burden is by confronting someone who's caught up in sin. But of course, this is not the only way, right? The Greek word for burden means a heavy weight. It's a constant pressure that you feel each and every day. Your burden's could be a number of things. It could be your financial situation. It could be a house remodel. It could be moving into a new house. It could be a job. It could be taking care of your parents or grandparents. It could be a mom or a dad looking after little ones that are crazy and have lost their minds during quarantine. That's a personal one for Jesse and I. It could be a burden or any problem or difficulty that you face each and every day. So this term um, burden is a broad term, but it just means it means weight, right? It means feeling a heavy weight. Wait, And this is why Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and have heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So when we talk about carrying each other's burdens, what we're talking about is being someone who's available and close enough to help someone who is burdened. Like we cannot help carry someone's burdens unless I become close to the person carrying a burden. That makes sense, right? Because oftentimes burdens can be difficult to see from a distance. Um, and, And until you're actually up close to a burden, it begins to reveal itself. You almost have to be in the other person's shoes for their burdens to be lifted off of their shoulders by your strength so that the weight is being evenly distributed on both of you. And this is what Paul wants to see. This is what he's after, right? Like I've been on both sides of a burden. I've been someone who's been overcome with a burden, who had to receive support from for many of you in our community and, and you, you have stepped in, you have come alongside Jesse and I through prayer or showing up at our house and helping us move or babysitting or, or generous gifts that you guys have given us. Like we've been on the recipient received end of you guys sharing a burden, helping us carry a burden. But I've also been on the, and had the privilege to be on the other side of things to help many of you carry a burden that you couldn't carry on your own as well. And, and to me, this is just the point of relationships. This This really does show who's with you, like what relationships are gospel centered are those that come alongside of you when life is just too heavy, when life is just too much. Who are the people that come alongside of you? Who are the people that help carry and shoulder the weight that you feel? We are created to be people who carry each other's burdens. And of course, there's a healthy and unhealthy way to go about this. You must, just, you must be comfortable carrying someone else's burdens as you are asking someone to help carry your burden and vice versa, right? Like you can't just be someone that's like neglecting your own soul and neglecting your own self and you're always extending yourself because then you're giving for false reasons, right? We have to be equally as good at, at carrying burdens and asking and knowing that we need help as well for someone to help carry our burdens. So in your effort to help others, never neglect yourself, which leads me to my final point. And Paul says, in verse 5, carry your own load. And I actually want to read verses 3 through 5 here. Because he kind of does a little dance here. And he, he recognizes there's a tension with this and what he's trying to say. And so verse 3, this is what he says. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. So Paul's point here is this. We won't be able to carry each other's burdens unless we have a proper gospel-based view of self. So Paul goes on to describe what this is like in verses three through five. And this is essentially a conversation about how pride and humility work together, which is kind of an interesting dynamic, right? Like Paul essentially saying, like, if you want to be humble, there has to be a level of pride there um but like if you if you if you're looking if you're too prideful you're going to have to actually lean into some humility so there is a there's a constant tension about how pride and humility work together here and and we're all at risk of thinking too highly of ourselves which is pride right but at the same time we are all at great risk of thinking too lowly of ourselves and so we we think if we think too highly of ourselves then then we will feel like we're too important to take the time to notice others burdens around us but if we think too lowly of ourselves then we'll think that our presence doesn't matter and that we have nothing to give other people. And so both of these mentalities are not gospel-based view of self. They're not healthy views of self. So Paul wants to meet us in the middle somewhere and he wants to base our self-image in the confines of the gospel, right? That the gospel message humbles me because Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. But at the very same time, the gospel message gives me confidence in that Jesus gave me a new identity and that the new identity came um, and assured that I have citizenship in the kingdom of God forever. So it's, it's out of this place that Paul says in verse 5, carry your own load. And I know this can seem like a contradicting statement. At first, this is what I felt like, how can I possibly carry someone else's burdens when I'm supposed to carry my own load? Like that just didn't make sense. But the more I sat in this, the more I studied it, it began to make a lot of sense. And so burden and load are actually two very different words. We already know that what burden means, it means a heavy weight, but the Greek word for load can be translated to mean backpack. And so maybe maybe you're someone who likes to go backpack, backpacking up in the mountains, or maybe, a back, maybe you've done a backpacking trip to Europe, or maybe you're someone who likes to go camping. When you go backpacking or camping, you're actually responsible for your own backpack, right? Like you need to pack your own stuff. Everything you need to survive is on your back, and it's up to you to get from one place to the other. You are carrying your clothes, you've got your tent, your backpack, your sleeping bag, your mat, your food, your water, all of your survival tools. And I don't think it would go over very well if you went on a backpacking trip and right from the beginning you asked someone else who had their own backpack to carry yours. Hey, can you carry my own backpack as well? I, I just I just don't want to carry it. I don't think that person would have very kind words to say for you, probably words that I couldn't say on this podcast. Um but, but here's my point. I, I, obviously, I'm not big on camping. I'm not big on going backpacking. But I think this is actually a helpful word picture to help us understand what Paul is actually talking about when it comes to relationships. Like God has given you your own backpack to carry with the one life that he has given you. Inside of your backpack, you have a, you have your gifts, you have your personality type, your opportunities, your difficulties, your strengths, and your weaknesses. All of these things are the load that you carry before God. God gave you these things. They are unique to you and they're not for anyone else to carry. We're not to compare our backpack with others. Uh, we're not to envy the kind of backpack that other people have because God has given, like to me, what he hasn't given to them. God has given to you what he hasn't given to me, right? So when we look inside of our backpack, like Paul's saying, take pride in what you find inside the good, the bad, and the ugly. God has given each person a different backpack to carry based on the load that they can carry. And some will have a heavier backpack than others, but just because someone may have a, a bigger and a, you know heavier backpack than you doesn't mean that God loves them more. It just means that they can carry more than I can. It just means that they're stronger, right? And that's okay. That isn't something to envy. And so my task, I think this is what Paul is getting at. Is he talks about carrying your own load in a relationship. My task and yours is to carry our individual load in a way that pleases God. And I think if we if we see life this way, then we'll be slow to judge and won't be quick to criticize. Right? The fruit of the spirit will flourish in our lives. For example, if we come across someone this week who's irritable, and we've all been there, you're going you're going you're going to bump up against someone this week who's grumpy, who's upset, who's irritable. Now typically you may just like write off that person. And just think that person is the worst and have a few choice words in your mind for that person. But what if instead, through the terms of what Paul's getting at here, what if we instead thought to ourselves, man, like, I don't know the pressure. I don't know the weight that that person is dealing with. And instead, you, you begin to have some compassion for them. And you just said a prayer for them. Lord, would you draw near to that person? Would you put someone in his or her life today to help them? And so I wanna encourage you just to allow the gospel to shape your relationships. That's my heart and that's my focus for this week for you. Lean into the people that God has placed in your lives for the moment, for the season, or for your lifetime. Pray for them, reach out to them, be intentional with them. Help, Help them as opportunities present themselves. Carry the burdens of those around you. Take pride in the load that God has given you. Carry it well, own it and watch God work in your relationships. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your life and your relationships would be filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit.